Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Noby Williams, and this is the Who is Mac McClung Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I don't understand. Everybody knows who Mac McClung, Matt McClung is. If I, I, can say I don't know name. who Mac McClung is, so explain, explain did, it did, to me. Did you not read, and, how, and I sent him a message last night saying, boy, Eric Jackson, you made us look smart because I didn't know of this guy you know, three days ago. You made yourself look smart, so thanks very much. Did you read his preview story on McClung? I read the postscript story. I did not read the preview story. Well, that was Friday just, that was just yeah. with the edit information that, oh, by the way, the guy won, and there were like a trillion views on social. In short, Going into All-Star Weekend, Eric Jackson decided that, you know what, this is the interesting character because he's a G League dude who's got a huge social following and that the dunk contest is a way to really promote. I think he's the first G League guy to ever participate in the dunk contest, but he's like, this is what we're headed towards. It doesn't have to be LeBron. It's not the biggest name. This guy and his social wizardry is a way to get um, more promotion for not only himself, but the NBA, the event. And sure enough, the guy goes and, and he like just totally tears the house down. And now everybody's going to know his name. And I'm sure he's going to wind up benefiting in, in a commercial way on this. Um, so everything. And by the way, again, I had no idea. Not that I was asking around. He also wrote a story about like there's some slam dunk coach, which I did not know, which I found very interesting. Um, but kudos to Eric Jackson, because if you read him going into All-Star, you would have said, Oh, I know this dude. Uh, I, I follow him on social. And I want to see how this plays out throughout the weekend. Yeah, and he was the, the favorite in the contest going in. He's not an NBA player, <laughs> right? Well, didn't he just? <laughs> I think he just player. signed a ten day. I think he just signed a ten day with the Sixers. Yeah, he came up like a week ago. It seems yeah. like potentially, even possibly, specifically, so that he could he could he could play in the or, or participate in the slam dunk contest. I think it's really interesting and really savvy by the NBA. You're right. It, serious serious basketball heads know who he is. He was a YouTube sensation when he was in high school. Uh, it, it very much fitting into the House of Highlights and Overtime Elite, that kind of set that that make uh, flashy high school players very famous before they even reach the college level. Uh, and he's clearly, obviously, extremely talented at this specific thing in addition to the rest of the basketball talents. Uh, and I think I, I know there are some, some NBA fans, maybe some diehards out there, I think it's kind of sacrilegious that you end up putting a kid in there who is not really an NBA player, has, has, has virtually zero NBA experience. But the product was really great. And it seemed, for the first time in years, Scott, it seemed like there was kind of excitement around 
the dunk contest, which which has not happened for the NBA again in like a decade plus. Well, let's think about what you just said. Just unpack it a little bit. You're like, it's the overtime elite house of highlights. This is exactly the group of people when we say cord cutters, cord nevers. This is the group of people when I say focus group of one and pals that sports leagues are dying to reach. How do you get money from these people if they do not have a cable bundle, if they will not sit in front of the TV for three hours to watch your product? You have to figure out how do you connect to them. And by the way, and I was, you know, I was out in Salt Lake and we'll get to, you know, why I was out there in a minute. But when I was back, I watched a little bit of the end of the, um, the Rising Stars game. And by the way, not something I would normally watch. But again, where we're going, the newer leagues are certainly doing this. And we'll talk about the XFL in a minute. But did you hear Jose Alvarado, the Pelicans guard, mic'd up? Did you hear that piece? I did not, know. Uh, all right. So here's a guy, by the way, undrafted. So now he's, you know, he plays for the Pelicans and he's in the Rising Stars game. And whether it was tied or whatever it was, but last possession time, he walks over to, I forgot, established NBA star, one of the, you know, one of the guys who's courtside and taking it in, walks over and says, if I get the ball, it's going down, it's over. And sure enough, inbound to him, two dribbles, flings it, boom, over. And it's the kind of story, you know, again, the, the undrafted, he's a, apparently like, I, I, I don't watch the Pelicans much, but a real defensive pest kind of guy who's making a name for himself. But the fact that you had that conversation, think about 10 years ago. What do you have? You do the interview post game and that's it. Oh, tell us about it. And he would say, well, I just told, you know, whatever that if I had the ball. But to hear the conversation, to be in on it is exactly what sports leagues and teams and athletes have to figure out a way to agree upon. Get me more of it. Get me closer. Get me behind the curtain. Get me inside the locker room. Get me on the drive home. You know, all that stuff. You got to bring me closer to the game, and the NBA is doing it at least at this level. Why? Why do you think it is that essentially every All Star game, which was once a crown jewel in, in in the season for all of these leagues, is 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 so irrelevant and bad right now that they're disappear? The, the Pro Bowl is essentially gone. The, yeah, but, did, but didn't it get like seven million viewers? Got a lot of viewers, but the I don't think anybody, even the NFL, would say the Pro Bowl is a good product. The the All Star Game yeah. for basketball last night. I don't know a single NBA fan that enjoys watching it or thinks it's good. The NHL has 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 been creative in a lot of the ways you're saying, Scott. It's now a three on three game. They got rid of the normal game. Uh, the home run derby again w- was a a huge event for a very long time. Feels almost irrelevant now. Why do you think it is that all of these kind of staple All Star weekends? have just become so hated by fans, for lack of a better word. Well, one, what is the NBA All-Star game? What is it used for? What is the motivation? What is NBA All-Star? It is a time for partners to get together. It is really sort of a mid-season business summit with partners, a reward, a way to get everybody together. That's what it is. Um, And if I'm a player... I mean, what is one of the things that the a big part of the CBA negotiations... What are we seeing? What are fans complaining about? Load management, right? These guys want a break. I mean, I understand the stars of the game who carry the burden of leading these teams night in and night out. You get a three, four, five day break in the middle of the season. The last thing I want to do is hop on a plane, go to wherever city, have plenty of media commitments, other commitments, um, just speaking opportunity. I want to go sit on a beach 
and let the body rest and recover for the second half of the season. So if that's the attitude of the players going in, I think it is for many of them, not all. And by the way, you see LeBron got hurt. They've got a critical 20-something game stretch. He hurt his hand on a dunk. You know, that's why from a player perspective, it's just added workload that I don't think many of them want. And in basketball, as you know, the one star on the team really does carry a whole lot more of the burden than a lot of the other players. And and you think that that in turn trickles down to the way fans enjoy it, that that if players don't really want to be there, fans sitting on their couch watching are like, nah, this isn't this isn't actually compelling anymore. Yeah. Again, if it's what do you play defense in the last two minutes? You know, why do you watch a game? Why do you watch this stuff? You watch it for drama. You watch it for intensity. You watch it for competition. There isn't a lot of that in this. Uh, I mean, I've seen. I don't so many disagree. Times. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't say I have the answer. By the way, I'm not sure what the answer is. I love the cool competition stuff. You know, I'm still the one. Uh, I, I'm I'm clamoring for a return of the battle of the network stars. As we you know, we've had that discussion a million times. I think fans love that stuff. I'm not sure. I would like to see NBA players riding tricycles, having a tricycle race, three-legged race. I would watch that. I think it would be a lot funnier. So, but what do I know? Yeah, I've been thinking about whether there is, and I, I think your point about the players is 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 accurate. That that players are less interested in playing in these games than they were 20 years ago, and I do think that makes the product worse. I also wonder if there's something about either technology or or the fan experience that also makes these things a bit less in, like when every home run you can see in, in major league baseball, you see in six different camera angles and, and you get the replay in slow-mo, et, et cetera. If, if suddenly the home, the home run derby just becomes less of a novelty and less of an interesting thing. And, and same with slam dunks as, as basketball, the NBA gets more flashy and all these leagues are shifting their rules to be more offensive. If the kind of cool novelty of the slam dunk contest or the home run derby, if they just get lost in the fact that we kind of have, a slam dunk contest or a home run derby on any given night during the season for both of those leagues. Yeah, remember when ESPN was pondering uh, having players do a game of horse remotely during COVID? Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I would love to see some of the NBA's best shooters have a game of horse. Like, give me that. Like, I, I would, that, that's compelling. And by the way, it, it's when you talk about workload, low impact. I don't think the guys would mind doing trick shots and things like that. Um, again, I, I don't have the answer. I was at the NHL All-Star Game live for the skills competition. Yeah, It was basically, as everything else is, you have your in-arena and you have your made-for-TV. It was basically a made-for-TV event. Half of it was shown on the Jumbotron, recorded at the beach earlier. And for those of us, and it was not even close to packed, for those of us sitting in the arena, and I'm speaking for the kids, like, who cares about me? But I'm talking about a bunch of hockey-playing kids who should have been, I'm loving every second of this. They were kind of sitting on their hands going, oh, let's go get popcorn. This is boring. So yeah. it's, it's and, and, and all the, the leagues is, are fighting it. And the NHL is trying, right? More so than I think yeah. any of the others. They are really trying to do out-of-the-box, innovative, fun kind of things. One other thing I'll say, Scott, is that I, I do think that for a long time, All-Star Games and the All-Star Break was a chance for fans to see the personality of players a bit more than they maybe saw during the regular season or during the playoffs. And again, I think because of social media and the way that sports yeah, are covered I've seen now. I, I, know the, I know them all, right? 100%. Yeah, I think there, there's no like cool insight into this person's part personality as part of the NBA All-Star Weekend when you get the coverage that you get in the NBA 24-7, 365 days a year, which is what we have right now. So I also think that's a part of it as well is that the, the kind of behind-the-scenes player aspect of this is just not novel at all anymore either. 
All right. Well, let me tell you the part that I can talk about. Um, you know, I always go out. This was, I believe, the 23rd annual technology summit that the mm -hmm. NBA holds prior to. First one was out in the Bay Area. I think I was that one. I really don't remember, but I've been to a whole slew of these. I haven't missed many of them. And it's a, it's a gathering of business partners, CEOs, tech leaders, players, owners, uh, league officials. So that that's kind of the room. And it, it was jam-packed. And it's all off the record. So I can't tell you some of the really interesting things that the owners said, like looking forward, what they'd like the, to see their brethren do. But the part I can tell you, because the NBA tweeted it uh, and they wanted everybody to see it, was sort of the opening demo from Adam Silver, where he brought Ahmad Rashad out and he circled him with his camera. And he, short, he sort of showed you what the, the broadcast of the future on the NBA app. And by the way, I think Adam said they have a team of 100 working on the future of the NBA app because they understand that the viewing experience for the overtime elites and the house of highlights folks is changing. So the first one I love a quick drop, all of it's quick drop down menu. Uh, you're watching in English, boom, down to Spanish, boom, down to Mandarin, boom, down to Farsi, which was great because it's a global game. That's the future. You're, you know, obviously total audience matters here. Your TAM matters. And if you can reach more people, you get more eyeballs, more money. Boom, boom. We, we know how that works. Uh, but then there was cool stuff where he circled Ahmad and then he sort of inputted, I guess you call it an avatar or whatever. I mean, exactly what Ahmad was wearing, the whole thing. You actually went into game highlights. So you could pick a player during a game and be like, all right, you're going to superimpose Eben Novi Williams, you know, your, your, whatever you're wearing, the way you, everything onto that player's body. You know, and that Ahmad in the game gets the ball and goes in for a monster dunk. And I could just envision the kids all throwing their video games, playing with each other. Put Let's do Celtics versus Lakers. I'll be LeBron. You be, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, this is cool. You can see why the NBA is looking this way. is more gamification of, a, of the presentation of the game. And it's just where it's all headed, Eben. Uh, and all leagues are trying to figure out. I and mean, we talked about it ad nauseum. We say, oh, how do you reach the younger viewers? What do they want to do? What are they interested in? How do you separate them from their money in microbursts because they're not sitting watching the entire game? This is how you do it. You gamify, you make it cool, you give them optionality, you let them watch a game from a, a specific camera angle. You can be the director sitting there. You want baseline? Great. You know, ball goes down, you want on top of the hoop? Great. You want high angle? Cool. You know what? You can actually, you, what did David Stern used to say? Give them how they want it, when they want it, where they want it. That's, we're getting closer and closer. And then you wonder, the more you know with the data capture, the more you know about each customer, the more valuable each one of them becomes, even if overall size, and I'm not saying this will happen, but even if the overall audience diminishes, you still have a value proposition because the value of each eyeball is going up. It would be fun to see... Uh, just look back at all of the kind of the 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 the, the little debut and, and and product ideas that Adam Silver has tossed out there at these tech summits. I remember being at one that was yeah. AR VR related. I, I'm not sure how much how, how well that aged. There was one a couple of years ago that got a lot of attention. Scott the 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 changing jersey that yeah. could be a LeBron jersey, and you press a button and the, the number and the name changes, and suddenly you're wearing a different uh, a different player's jersey. I don't think we've seen that. In, in any kind of commercial uh, application or setting quite yet. Uh, but I agree with you. I think this is, I, I can totally see a world, not me, but I could see a world where people who consume sports a little differently than me want to play around with this. It feels very well suited to 
the TikTok and and Instagrams of the world where that that is the place where and your son may be one of these people. A lot of young people are that's where they watch games and consume highlights. YouTube and TikTok are the exactly. two most popular platforms for my son. Without so, a doubt, YouTube. Yeah. And Snapchat, by the way, and which Snapchat, I hate. Sure, which and, I hate. And, and and this also works fairly well in that regard too. So I, I think this is a, I do think this is a smart, a smart maneuver by by the NBA for sure. Gee, shocking! NBA doing smart things. I will tell you the two owners that did speak. I mean, we're allowed to say this was Ted Leonsis and Steve Ballmer, and you know, Ballmer is doing the direct to consumer Clipper Vision while sure. still having your local cable deal, um, leading the way. Yeah, I'm not not surprised that these two guys are among those who are leading the way and pushing the NBA to innovate and uh, and present differently at a time, by the way. And again, they've got their new TV deal over, like set to be negotiated soon. And everybody believes the value proposition there is going to be high, 2x, 3x, who knows. But it's certainly not going down. So we're looking down the road even further. How do, we, how do they monetize eyeballs even more than they do now? And the current, you know, obviously, oh, let me guess, let me close my eyes. There'll be a, a direct-to-consumer uh, streaming component, they will be just straight up streaming exclusivity <laughs> on Amazon or Apple, uh, and they'll be your 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 cable bundle, right? How, oh, did, how did you know, did, Scott? Did, oh my God, who who could have guessed, right? Anyway, but oh, speaking of innovation, tell me you watched yeah. some of the XFL this weekend and let me know what you saw and what you like because the Brahmas were involved. The Brahmas were playing. You picked them as your team. So what'd you see? Tough, tough result for the Brahmas. They looked fantastic <laughs> for the first, uh, everything except the final two minutes and then got caught right at the end. Um, I, I, I was actually very impressed, Scott. I, I did not watch much of it. It seems very clear. And, and, and we heard from Russ Brandon last week on this show about the, the, the kind of the fine line they wanted to draw between gimmick innovation and innovation. And gimmetry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I thought they actually did a really good job. I thought the, it, it's clear they want to give fans access, right? And that is hearing offensive coordinators call plays and then you hear the quarterback in the huddle give the play to his his teammates. And then you hear the announcer say, oh, wide jet bubble. This is going to be a, a screen to the right side. You see it happen. Um, I, I thought that was really interesting. You can hear the referees in the in, in the in the in the video challenges talking through what's happening. I think that's something that fans want also. That valuable. People enjoy that. Yeah. So th- there's a, a lot about, I think, the XFL broadcast the, that I think Even the is, different scoring, right? The scoring options. You can go one for two, for three. You can go yeah. for three. There's no onside kick. There's a fourth and 15, which the team that the that the Brahmas were playing uh, used to, to, to their advantage. Uh, I think the challenge, and I know we've talked about this before, the challenge in all these things is that there's really no IP protection for those things. Right. And, yeah, the and NFL, if, if they wanted to do it, they could take any basketball league could take the Elam ending if they hundred percent. And the Elam ending is a good idea. I think there's things that the, the PLL, the the Premier Lacrosse League has done that other leagues have looked at and been like, oh, this is really good. We should do that. So uh, in, in some ways, I think the XFL and, and this is a this is a good for them in some ways, but really good for the NFL, I think is going to experiment with a lot of these things. And if it works and if people really like it. The NFL, I think, could just end up doing a lot of these things, right? So in some ways, I could see a world where the XFL is kind of a victim of its own innovation in that the things it's doing really well just become mainstream fairly quickly because, again, there's nothing preventing other leagues from doing this. One other thing that stuck out to me, Scott, uh, Danny Garcia and The Rock, we talked with Russ about how involved they're going to be. Obviously, it's it's beneficial the more they want to do. I think both of them were at all four games this week. Yep. And I yep. imagine that's not going to continue, but uh, it was very clear that The Rock wants to be present here and wants to be involved. And that can't be a bad thing for the XFL. Yeah, and if I look at it from an NFL perspective, everybody says, oh, like the thinking has always been on a spring league that, oh, the NFL needs a minor league. It could be a minor league of the NFL. 
Well, they have that already in college. You know, that's what that's what Division One football is. It's a de facto minor league. The NFL, from its standpoint, why commit to one? You know, you can have the USFL, you can have the CFL, you can have the XFL. That's great. They'll be league agnostic and cherry pick partnerships or ideas that they like. There's there's no there's no incentive for the NFL to be like, okay, we're only going to do business with this one minor league. I mean, you and I didn't recap the, the 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 Russ Brandon conversation, but one of the things he said that I thought was really interesting was was, was towards the end when he was talking about how they they have not really discussed kind of what is success, what that means necessarily for them. But one of the things he did mention was that seeing players who played in the XFL this spring on NFL rosters and playing on Sundays this fall. That that was one of the big men, and I think he even said c- comparable to a Triple A baseball team. I thought yeah. that was interesting to kind of hear him just that directly talk about how one of the ways they're going to measure success is: are they actually generating opportunities for NF- for, for for football players to play in the NFL in their career? Well, that's your difference maker in battle with the USFL. That's saying right. Where exactly. is somebody going to? Where are the more talented players who didn't quite make the NFL on the cusp have a chance? They have a choice. So the league that really places more people in the NFL, I would think if I'm a prospective NFL player, I'd say, okay, they've they've put 10 people in. The others put one either way. I'm going to go with, with, the, with the league that's put 10. I mean, because my ultimate goal is to get to the NFL. I think so. that's right. Yeah. And if I'm the USFL, I mean, the USFL starts in, in the middle of April, I believe, kind of right at the end of the XFL yeah. season. I, I can't imagine that's great timing. For them, but 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 who knows? Who knows where the XFL XFL will be at that point? But uh, you're right. There, there's going to be a lot of spring football, and really curious in a year or two to see where these businesses are, who is still operating, who is not, and and kind of what the structure they've settled on looks like. All right, we don't have a sound, Matt Whitehurst, for prognostications. But if we we have trumpets, we have whistle, whatever prognostication. Manchester United will still be operating in two years. How's that? Good. That seems, you feel safe with that one? Safe. Yeah, conservative right. view, Scott. Yeah. We have the soft deadline for offers, and we already know that uh, the folks at Rain who are helping with the sale uh, for the Glazers have or have some in-house already. But the big boys that many were waiting for, a Qatari-affiliated group, as well as Jim Radcliffe, have confirmed that they've placed their bids. Doesn't mean other people still cannot come in, but we're we're now moving along the process of one of the biggest brands in the world in sport changing hands. And whether it'll be a control stake, whether it'll be a, a piece of, uh, whether or not we see some venture capital getting involved, allowing uh, the Glazers to stay around. We, see, we saw a report about Elliott Management, yep. um, which, had, you know, which had worked with AC Milan, and which is, I believe, financed Jerry Cardinal's bid, at least in part. Yeah, they, so, they had a great deal. They had a great Milan. deal they, with they, the Chinese. They did a great, and that, great yeah. work there, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So... Uh, still remains to be seen what the Glazers want to do here. Something tells me if it, I don't know, what's it, six? Let's say it gets to six billion. People talking great, but if it US gets to dollars. six billion US dollars, something tells me the advisors would turn to the Glazers and say, take the money. <laughs> so that I, the dollars will dictate, in my opinion, exactly where this goes. You're right. I, I would have put. Uh, in Manchester United in this category of teams, which we've talked about on this show a lot of may sell, may not. Seems yep. like the owners are kind of testing the market. I think when you have uh, a, a a very rich man or or group out of Qatar, it seems to be unclear exactly where Jasim bin Hamad Al Thani 
is getting the money for this. But well done, when, Novi Williams. <laughs> had to write it down. Yeah. When you have that group, and then you have Jim Ratcliffe, one of the richest men in the UK, uh, the chairman of, of Ineos, someone who has a lot of money. When you have just even those two, and if it ends up being more great, but if you have those two buying together, it seems like there's a good chance that you're going to get a number that is 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 around what you want to, to to pull the trigger here, and then the third thing, Scott, as you mentioned in there, Elliott Management. Uh, it's it's exactly unclear to me how what 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 their role is, but but looking to potentially fund, not buy, but be but but fund as part of an acquisition or an investment, and that could be an avenue for the Glazers to stay on, take some significant money off the table at a high valuation, keep control of the team for now. Uh, so so a lot of interesting options there, but. Because it does seem like, and we know there are at least two interested and 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 wealthy groups out there, it seems more and more likely that this team does some kind of transaction of some sort coming in the next few months. Uh, what do I need to know about Marcus Rashford other than he's scoring a whole lot of goals? Does, does, is, has has his payday looking? Yeah, it's it's interesting. That, I mean, he's looking it's looking really good, and and <laughs> he the keeps outlook scoring for, every game he scores. The outlook for Manchester United also looking really good, right? In, in yeah. kind of stark difference to Chelsea which has spent so much money under under new ownership and has struggled both in the Champions League and in the Premier League uh, in, in the past month. Uh, it does look like very likely that Manchester United will qualify for the Champions League next year. As you know, Scott, that is a very important piece of the financial puzzle yep. for your top, four, top, baby. top teams. Not, not only does it impact what you're bringing in, it also impacts what you can spend. Uh, which is which is critically important as well. So things are looking up right now, both on the pitch and off it right for for Manchester United and its fans. All right, keep going. How are things looking at DraftKings? Some really interesting. I'm glad I'm glad we have a chance to talk about this. Uh, some really interesting uh, comments made by Jason Robbins, the CEO of DraftKings, on their earnings call at the end of the month. And the one that stuck out the most to me, Scott, um, as you know, all of these sports betting companies are kind of under fire, at least the public ones, for how much they're spending and where they're spending on their marketing. Is, well, almost, you're saying where they're spending. They were spending everywhere. I mean, I remember back in the day, and what is it, how many years ago was back in the day, but you couldn't take a New Jersey Transit ride without having dueling posters in your car. FanDuel, DraftKings, it's, without and question. It, and so customer acquisition costs were super high. The margins are pretty small. Uh, I don't know if there's any platform or brand loyalty here. So I don't know. Keep going. That, that, yeah. That's my that's my gospel when it comes to sports. Betting. All of all of that was right, and and a lot of the the the, the semi big players in the space really have cut back on their marketing. Caesars, BetMGM, even FanDuel to a degree, doing a lot less marketing than they were. DraftKings is doing the opposite approach. They are maintaining. They are continuing to spend a lot, but they're going to continue to spend a lot. One thing they're not going to spend as much on moving forward, Jason Robbins said, is team and league deals. And that, to me, I think is is something that is maybe a canary in the coal mine of sorts for team executives and team owners out there. The yeah, in the past, lucrative few, sponsorship is going away. Th- this was a category that just essentially appeared out of nowhere, Scott. And in, in the past couple of years, some really, really lucrative and valuable deals. The official sports betting partner of insert NHL team here, or the official authorized gaming operator of Major League Baseball, etc. Uh, some of those were really, really big deals, and it seems as though. If DraftKings is cutting back on that, I'm going to assume everybody else is cutting back on that as well. Let me so, ask you this. If you're yeah. a CRO of a pro sports team, major league, whatever, and the owner comes to you and says, what are we doing about this? I just saw Jason Robbins, whatever. Are you comfortable saying, yeah, boss, don't, don't sweat it. I don't know what's next, <laughs> but there's always something next, whether it's crypto or something's next. I don't know what it is. And you know, I, that makes me a little uncomfortable. 
but something else is coming. That, that may be true. And there's also ways you can sweeten these deals, right? So so some some teams, depending on the state that they're in, have market access that they can give as mm-hmm. part of their partnerships. That's going to still remain really valuable. Some teams, like what DraftKings is doing with the Cubs, have a brick and mortar component. There's going to be a sports bar slash lounge slash sports book right next to Wrigley Field. DraftKings is not going to give up that partnership anytime soon. So I think the idea here is if, if I'm a if I'm a CRO, if I'm in sales marketing at, at, a, at a team, I'm thinking about what I can do to make these more lucrative than just slapping your branding on the website or a sign in the in the stadium or the uh, or the arena, because it seems very clear in, in, in Jason's own words, it's not an efficient part of our business. Yeah. So if it's inefficient for the likes of DraftKings from a spending standpoint, it's going to be a hard sell, I think, across the entire sports betting landscape right now. And another one of those inefficiencies in the entire landscape of sports is ingress-egress. And we touched on it a little bit with Ross Brandon in the yep. last one. But for people who didn't hear it, I think it's worth talking about again, that the New England Patriots are giving their ticket holders an option on parking. And one of them is, if you're willing to wait for, was it 75 minutes 75, after yeah. the game? And I don't know about you, but we've all left MetLife Stadium and some others. It takes you 20, 25 to get to the car then it's going to take, if you're sitting, it's going to take you 30 to 35 to 40 to get out to whether it's the turnpike or wherever you're trying to go. But they're willing to pay you 50 bucks to wait 75 minutes. Now, if you know how Patriot Place works, they've got all restaurants around there and bars. If I had a sports book at Patriot's Place, I would I'll give, you know what, I'll give you 100 bucks to wait because I guarantee you they're <laughs> going to spend it on high margin items, whether it's a soda or an alcoholic beverage, or if I had a sports book. Hey, guess what? There's some other games going on. Why don't you come on in and punk the money down there? I think it's a great idea and something that, again, I've heard it so many years now. Every venue, and that is, by the way, not just those where people drive. Years ago, Brett Yormark told me Barclays Center, one of the biggest complaints they have, and almost everybody there takes the subway, right? It was like every subway line converges on Barclays Center. That was Mm -hmm. one of the big selling points. Ingress, egress was a problem. If you can solve it, make money off of it, keep people happy, give them optionality. That's what consumers Preach. want. Not not surprised to hear the Patriots are right out there at the forefront. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good idea. And I agree with you. There's a behavioral economics part of this that probably means Ooh, you, you get are, your are money. Are you giving me nudge theory? Cass Sonstein, are you giving <laughs> oh. me nudge theory? Now you just went, you went, you went beyond my, uh, my knowledge right. base here. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, somebody will say, hey, that's Soshnik's pretty smart. One there you person go. Will yeah, that's that. yeah, pretty you. smart. Um, yes, it does feel like th- this is the kind of thing that, that looks like you're putting money in fans' pockets, but because they're sticking around for 75 minutes and they're going to the bar after they're grabbing something to eat or maybe even, maybe you're right, in the future placing some bets at a sports book that you end up getting a chunk of that money back in addition to making the experience better for both the people who are waiting and the people who are getting out early. All right. Happy President's Day, Novi Williams. On the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Producer Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor is Cora Veltman. And she loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. 